Father, we've come to this time in our Mother's Day service where we open your word and we glean from its truths. We know that you're a God who reveals yourself to us through your word and through the preaching of the cross. We know that you're a God who is involved in our lives and you are here present with us today. You never leave us and you never forsake us. You always go with us. And we ask you to bless mothers today, O oh Lord, as we honor them through the songs that have been sung and the message that is preached that mothers will know that there is a God who restores and heals. We ask your blessing upon our efforts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And everybody said amen. 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 The Bible tells us that Jesus was a very, very busy person. He wasn't one just to slough off or uh, lounge around. He was a very busy person. In fact, the Bible said that he went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He was very involved in people's lives. And why not? Because he did so many marvelous things. People followed him around just to see the miracles and see the great things that he did. A large part of the crowd was there in kind of a circus atmosphere as if wonder what kind of miracle he's going to do next. It was a good thing to see. But it's a whole different matter for people to engage in discipleship. Not just to observe what Jesus does and who Jesus is, but to participate with him and to join with him, and to be a part of his uh, company and his family. There was a large multitude that was following him in Luke chapter 7. In fact, the centurion had just called about his son and had to get permission from the Jews as if he were worthy enough to go and talk to the Lord Jesus. And he said, sure said, I would love for him to come and tell me what his burden is. And he came and shared the burden with the Lord, and the multitude followed him. He is in the city of Capernaum, which was his Sea of Galilee headquarters in northern Israel uh, headquarters. And he went to the house of the centurion. And the centurion said, uh, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to even come under my roof and to come into my house. But Jesus said, I've not seen faith like this anywhere else in Jerusalem. And the, the servant was healed. And the Bible said, And Jesus left Capernaum, and he traveled to a little city called Nain, N-A-I-N. Now, Nain is about 25 miles from Capernaum, so, my Lord, it took them best of a day to walk all the way to, from Capernaum to Nain. And it, by taking that much time, 25 miles, I don't know how long it would take you to walk 25 miles I couldn't do it in 24 hours, I'll tell you that. It would be a lot, lot longer than one day, but uh, they made it in one day. They must have felt some urgency about it. And now it's late in the afternoon, uh, late in the afternoon when they arrive at, at Nain. Let's, let's read the text and then we'll talk some more about it. Luke 7 verse 11. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow. 
Boy, that's quite a terrible plight, isn't it? She's already a widow, and now she's lost her only son. Only son of her mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, Do not weep. And then he came up and touched the bier, or what we would call the casket. And the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus returned him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. What a miracle event it was on the day that this resurrection took place in name. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning. I know it's Mother's Day and I know you got company coming and, and uh, all like that. But let's just eat a little bit of the Word of God today and I think you'll enjoy what God has to say. This story and all others in the New Testament instill faith to believe that only Jesus can providentially help us when trouble has invaded our lives. That Jesus is the source of all blessings. Everything God has flows through Jesus. Everything God does goes through Jesus. And Jesus said these words, Lo, I am come to do the will of him that sent me. Well, if he's living his life in submission to the will of God, then God must have arranged this whole event in the city of Nain. We've got several uh, pairs of things that go on here in this passage that we've read. The first I want to call to your attention is there are two crowds. There's one crowd that's following Jesus. There's one crowd that's walking with Jesus. There's one crowd that Jesus is leading them. There's one crowd that is singing the praises of God and rejoicing and enjoying the journey. They're, wonder, they're wonderfully in the presence of the Lord and they're rejoicing over the presence of the Lord. And this is a great crowd. It's the crowd you want to be in. There's another crowd. The Bible said there was a crowd from the city that came out with this widow of name. They came and to support their friend and their perhaps she had other relatives. Oftentimes they would pay money so that there would be grievers. And one writer said, a first century historian said they're the poorest of families could afford at least one wailing woman. Wow, I've never read that before and I didn't know that, but I do know this, that they've got to bury whoever dies before the sun goes down. You did know that, didn't you? I remember pulling up to a red light in Jerusalem. We'd just come up from the Dead Sea area, and there was this big procession, probably 40,000 people. And there was a, what you would call the Pope Mobile, was leading the whole thing. You could see the figures inside the, the, the car. And uh, I asked uh, Moiti, our guide, I said, what's going on? He said, 
Well, the guy in that uh, car up there with that open air look to it said, that's the, the uh, preach, that's the high priest, the chief rabbi, and said, all of those that are with him are ruling elders, and said, the crowd that's following are those that are hurrying to get to the cemetery in order to bury this guy before the sun goes down. He said, now there are telephones and there's telegraph, but said, when you tell people in Israel about a funeral, said, buddy, they get in gear quick because they, they know they've got to get that person in the ground very quick. Wow. So then it was about dark and they were going out. This crowd that was Jesus crowd and Jesus worshiping, they were no doubt making a big racket. But the other crowd that came out the gate of the city was going to a cemetery. Jesus is going to a city, but the crowd is going to the cemetery. I need you to get those two crowds in your mind right there because I believe everybody in this house, mothers especially, are one of these two crowds. You're sitting somewhere with one of these crowds. The crowd coming out of the city going to the place of the dead or either you're coming into the city where life and activity is going on. You're either part of the crowd that Jesus is leading or you're part of the crowd that's grieving and sorrowing over the death of a, a loved one, a friend. Now, the plight of this woman is, is very pathetic. It's terrible that she has already lost a husband and that she has only one son and now that one son had died. Verse 11 says, Soon afterward he went to a town called Nain. His disciples and a great crowd went with him. Disciples. Disciples and a great crowd. That's the, that's the crowd that you and I want to be a, a, a part of. Then the Bible said there was a considerable crowd that, that followed the widow. Now, there's two groups right there that we've got to get in our heart. Another fact of the story is that Jesus and his followers were headed into a place of activity and that the funeral procession was coming out. So actually what we've got going on here is this event where death meets life. Jesus is life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and I didn't hear you. The life. Did you say the life? Jesus is the life. The way, the truth, and the life then is walking into the city and death is walking out of the city. Praise God. Now, which one do you want to be in? I want to be in that crowd that's following Jesus uh, who's the way, the truth, and the life. I don't want to be following something dead that people are grieving and sorrowful and defeated about that has no power to inspire me, none whatsoever. But in Jesus, who is coming into the city, then there is life, there is peace, there is healing, there is deliverance. And the one thing happens that is so ironic about this whole thing is Jesus is the resurrection and the life and he meets a funeral procession where people are on their way to a graveyard. 
on their way to a cemetery. Now, I've been to the remnants of what was left of that cemetery. There's nothing about it that would inspire you. It's just stones and, and uh, rubbish. Now, we all know also that no Jewish person can be buried in a city. That's why they carry you outside the gate and take you outside the fortification of the city because they don't want you to die in the city. You got to be outside the wall of the city. How about that? No funeral can be conducted. Got to be done outside the city. Boy, that's something, isn't it? You know, the Bible says that we're looking for a city. If you could have asked Abraham years ago, Abraham, where are you going? He would have said, I'm just looking for a city that has 12 foundations and its builder and its maker is God. Hebrews 11, the Bible said, but now they desire a better country. That is a, a heavenly. And God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared for them a city. A city. Hallelujah. If you're on your way to glory tonight, you're on your way to a city. Praise God. If you're on your way to heaven, if you're on your way to eternal life through Jesus, then you're on your way to a city. Amen. A city. God has prepared for them a city. So we've got this confrontation going on here between the resurrection and the life and the death, hell, and the grave. It's between Jesus and the devil. How in the world, Pastor, can you see a confrontation going on with Jesus? Everything about life is wrought in Jesus. Everything about victory, everything about salvation, everything about deliverance, everything about blessing and rejoicing, it's about Jesus. But everything that's about worry, anxiety, fear, bondage, all of those things are attached to Satan and his ambitions. You see, Jesus called Satan a murderer. Jesus called Satan a thief and a robber. Jesus called Satan the son of perdition. Jesus called Satan the destroyer. Jesus is the builder. Satan is the destroyer. And we have this confrontation where the, the two are about to meet. Wow. You thought that was just a, a, an occurrence. No, it was something God planned. Jesus said, my will is submitted to his will. So God providentially, you know what word providence mean, don't you? Something that God gives. That's providence. If God arranged this event for Jesus to be in Capernaum to do the will of God, then God knew all about, hallelujah, this whole situation before it ever took place and determined that Jesus would be there when the need arose. As surely as God arranged this situation, He arranges situations in your life. Mothers, God arranges situations in your life where healing and deliverance can result. Jesus has places, predetermined places, that you don't know about that's in your future 
but he's already planning how to deliver you and how to heal you and how to bless you and strengthen you. Well, I hadn't got much better than that, folks. <laughs> Don't have anything better than that. To tell you that Jesus is already in your tomorrows, that Jesus is already in your future, that Jesus is already in His providence aware of what you need before you ever need it, that He knows that your steps are going to need to be ordered by the Lord before you ever take a step, that he is determined that he was, is not going to be absent. He's going to be present when the need comes. He's going to be present. And, and so many times you ask, why and where is God when all this happens? Emergency rooms are places that are filled with the question why. Most asked question of me in hospitals and surgery and all that is why why it is beyond the scope of my understanding to tell you why because i don't know why but i know a god that although now i see through a glass darkly and though now i'm inhibited by poor eyesight and I can only go so far in my intellect. And I have to stop and say, I, I can't see any further. I, I can't define God. I can't comprehend God. He is so much bigger than I can comprehend. He is so much greater. He is so much larger than I could ever comprehend in my finite mind. He is infinite. That means He's always lived. And He always will live. He's the Creator God, and that Creator God loves you. Mother, there is a God in heaven that loves you. Mothers, there is a God in heaven that hears your prayers. There is a God in heaven that sees your tears. There is a God in heaven that knows all about you and what you need and where you are. He knows the pain. He knows the suffering. He knew already about this little lady in Nain and sent Jesus to Nain because her situation was so dire. And the reason, we'll get it in just a minute, the reason was God had compassion. When Jesus got there and he saw the woman following that funeral procession, the Bible said he had compassion on her. He had compassion. That means he felt a tenderness for what this lady was going through. And I want to tell you, ladies, God knows about what you're going through. God knows how it feels. All of the things that you go through, God knows how that feels. He knows how it feels. And he knows how disappointment feels. He knows how loneliness feels. He knows how desertion feels. He knows all about all of those afflictions that, that comes to us. You see, the Lord has so designed us. In fact, the Bible said we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has so designed us that we not only have physical hurt 
by mashing our finger or cutting ourselves some way or bumping our head on something. But we can hurt in other ways too. Not just physical. Sometimes you hurt, you hurt emotionally. And I want to tell you, God heals damaged emotions. I said, God restores when people have experienced damaged emotions. And so many times we don't know why. We don't understand why. But if we hold God's hand and keep holding on to our faith, then He'll lead us to a place where we'll understand it better. Understand it better. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the joy that was set before Him was great. And the Bible said, despising the shame. Enduring the cross, despising the shame. And the Bible said, and he is now sat down at the right hand of the Father as the intercessor. Intercessor. And he's ever interceding. He ever liveth to make intercession for you. Mothers, I want to tell you that God is praying for you right now. Jesus is in the presence of God praying for you right now. You have an advocate. What is an advocate? You've got an attorney. You've got a representative. Praise God. And that advocate that you have is a mediator. A mediator between God and, and people. You have got someone who can settle the debt. You've got someone who can erase the judgment you've got someone in the presence of god that can do mighty mighty things turn things around for you and he ever lives to do things like that for you two crowds they're not only two crowds that are evident here there are also two enemies that enemy is between the lord jesus who is eternal life personified and the leader of all evil and hellish activity, the devil himself. Life versus death. Could I tell you that when you are in that crowd with Jesus, life wins. Life wins. Just like he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come forth! And the Bible said something miraculous happened that Lazarus came walking out of that grave. And Jesus said, take those grave clothes off of him. Praise God. You know, when the Lord resurrects us to walk in newness of life, why do we want to keep wearing grave clothes? If the Lord has resurrected you and brought you from death unto life, why do you still want to wear dead clothes? Why do you still want to act like dead people when the Lord Jesus has spoken life into your heart? Why do we want to keep behaving like we're dead? You know what happens with, with things that are dead? You bury it. And I used to be dead, but now I'm alive. Say, Pastor, how could you be dead? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, we were dead in trespasses and in sin. Had our conversation in the lust of our flesh. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, rich in compassion, 
who is rich in mercy with his great love, that same mercy that Jesus felt for that woman who was broken and shattered, that same tender compassion. But God, who is rich in mercy with his great love, wherewith he loved us even while we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together with Christ and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a Savior. What a Deliverer. What an Emancipator that we have in the Lord Jesus. Two enemies. I want to tell you that death is defeated. Death is defeated. The Bible said in Revelation that the Bible said, and there shall be no more pain. There shall be no more death. For the former things are passed away. Passed away. If you've read anything about the book of Revelation, you know that God turns this story out to something good in the end. But I want to tell you, you don't have to wait till then to experience victory over death. Because if you've got the Lord Jesus in your life, you can say, oh, death, where is your sting? If you're in that crowd with the Lord Jesus and following the Lord Jesus, then thanks be to God. You can say, oh, grave, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin, sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over death, victory over hell, victory over the grave, victory over all of the consequences of sin. That battle has been won. So then Jesus, who said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, walked over to the funeral procession and touched the bier. Now, in those days, they didn't have wooden boxes to put people in like we do. They were more like a, a weaving of branches that made something of a basket that they carried people in, in the processions. So Jesus didn't walk over to a casket like we would see. He walked over to the beer, B-I-E-R, beer, and he touched the beer. In fact, Jesus stopped the procession. Jesus always stops the procession. Jesus always takes precedence over whatever we're doing. Jesus always is the center of attention. Jesus always is so special. He is so powerful. He is so mighty. He is so overwhelmingly divine that he'll stop any procession anywhere. He stopped this funeral procession by his presence in the crowd. The Bible says that death came into the world by sin. The Bible said by one man's transgression, sin came into the world. Yet by one man's obedience, the victory over death and hell were won through the Lord Jesus. And when the Lord walked over to that beer, he said, young man, 
Now, I don't know what his name was. The Bible doesn't give us his name. Jesus didn't say his name. He just said, young man. Praise God. When my mother called me young man, she usually had something serious to say to me. When she called me young man, or my dad called me young man, Marie, my dad was fixing to tell me something I'd better listen to. Young man. Jesus walked up and said, young man. That's because it doesn't matter who you are. And it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what your name is. It doesn't matter what your bank account reads. It doesn't matter what your address is. It's any man, young man, old man, big man, little man, young man, I say unto thee, salvation and deliverance is for every man. Praise God. Young man, I say unto thee, arise. Arise. Wow, what a statement that the Lord of life would say to a person who is dead on his way to a cemetery. Arise. Were you on your way to a cemetery the night Jesus stopped you and said, Arise? Were you on your way to something dead and something that was horrible? When Jesus stopped the procession? Where did Jesus stop the procession for you? Where did it, was it church? Was it at a church somewhere? Or was it kneeling by your bedside when Jesus stopped the procession? Where was it that that took place for you? Were you driving a car? Where were you doing? Where did it happen? You may not even remember, but you remember this. That when Jesus stopped you and said, Arise, and called you out of that tomb of deadness, and called you out of that grave of dead things, and spoke life into your heart and promised peace to your heart, praise God, something divine happened. This young man, two things happened for him. Two enemies, two crowds. Now we've got two evidences. That he's alive. Number one said, and he sat up. Thank you. He sat up. First thing he did when Jesus said, arise, is he sat up. Number one thing to let me know he was alive. Now I tell you what, it might not be too good an idea to be alive in a funeral procession being carried in the hearse. Ah, you didn't get that. That's one of my best ones. You don't need to be caught riding in a hearse alive when they're fixing to bury you. Jay, I don't know of anybody but Jesus could help you in something like that. <laughs> Arise, and he sat up. Here's a good one too. And he spake. Is that what it says? You're following me over there, is it right? He sat up and then he spake. Oh, I'm just itching. Your ears are just itching. What did he say? It don't tell us what he said. 
Boy, I was all helped up there. I was fixing to say, what do you say when you've just come from death unto life? What do you say when you just got up out of the funeral procession and the Lord Jesus is standing there and he just resurrected you and put resurrection power in you and put the glory of God in your life and raised you from defeat into wonderful victory and you sat up? What would you say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for touching me. Thank you for lifting me up. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for erasing what sin had done. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord and thank you. It doesn't say what he said, but I'll just imagine what I would say. Thank you. Have you said thank you yet for what Jesus has done for you? Have you said thank you yet to Jesus for stopping your pilgrimage down a dead-end street? Have you said thank you, Lord, yet for His translating you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light? Have you thanked Him yet for delivering you from no hope to hope in Christ? Have you thanked Him yet for that? Jesus, the Bible said, is a friend of sinners. A friend of sinners. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus is so compassionate and so tender that He does extraordinary things for every one of us. He is so compassionately moved and motivated Here we have two sufferers. Now we've had two crowds, two enemies, two evidences. Now we've got two sufferers. Two sufferers. Well, pastor, we know about the woman's suffering. Lord, anybody would be. To be a widow and already lost your husband and then to lose your son. Now that might not mean a whole lot to us like it does to them. In, in Israel, the eldest son was the one who was responsible for the survival of the family. In Israel, the eldest son is the one who worked and he provided and he protected and he gave everything that family needed. In fact, the Word of God tells us that he cared for his own household. So here this lady is. She's lost her first one that cared for the family, he's dead. And now the only one left to care for her family is dead also. So what her plight is, she has nobody. She has nobody. That must have brought on tremendous suffering. As a mother, can you imagine a mother lost her husband now she's lost her son, and now she's got no way of knowing how she's going to survive. Talk about suffering. That's, that's terrible emotional suffering in it. To go through the loss of two family members. But there was another sufferer that was present that day. 
there was a suffering woman, but you need to know also there was a suffering Savior. He could identify with her and have compassion for her and have tenderness for her because he bore all of those things on the cross. If I ask you to come up with names of Jesus today and describe what he does and how he, how he does it, I guess most of you could come up with something, couldn't you? No. Right answer is nod your head. <laughs> yeah. If Jesus has ever identified himself to you, in what way was that? All of us would probably come up with some. What was somebody called him? The man of purity? The man that never sinned? The man that was holy? That's it. The man of holiness. The man of, of no sin in his life because he was without sin. We might have called him the man of eloquence because never a man spake like this man. We might have called him the man of love because love never shone out of any life like it shone out of the life of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3. Jesus is called a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Mothers, Jesus knows how you feel because He is a sufferer also. He is one who has travailed also. He is one who has gone through the valley of the shadow also. He knows what it likes. And listen to what the Bible said. He is familiar with suffering. How in the world... Could Jesus, the Savior of the world, be so familiar with suffering? Because He's touched sufferers so much. The Bible said He is able to secure them that suffered, them that uh, uh, suffer. He knows how to minister to you. In fact, the Bible said, therefore suffered He without the gate. He suffered without the gate. In other words, he was outside the city when he suffered. Why was he outside the city suffering? Because he was bearing the sins of the whole world. And Jesus is called a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. An artist is best known through his works. The soul of a painter is seen in his paintings. The heart of a singer is heard in his songs. But suffering is a mirror in which may be seen the reflection of the Lord Jesus, the man of sorrows. He easily identified with this widow's heartaches. That expression, familiar with suffering, is a phrase you could write all over the life of Jesus. Born in poverty, forced to sheltering in someone else's stable, and then forced to flee his homeland. Bible tradition tells us that Joseph died when Jesus was a teenager. He lost his father when he was a teenager. He was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by his own family. He was ridiculed and said he's out of his mind. He was pressured by the religious establishment. 
They constantly criticized him and sought to trap him. He was brokenhearted over his friends, his parents, his brothers and sisters and sons and daughters. He prayed, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered thee as a hen would gather her brood, but ye would not. As a mother would care for her chicks, as she would gather her chicks under her wings that's the way I would love it for to be between me and you like a mother for me to provide motherly things for you as a hen would gather her brood familiar with suffering broken hearted Jesus knows how it feels to be broken hearted then he said to them my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mothers, Jesus knows what it's like to be overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed? So Jesus then could identify with this lady who had lost her husband, lost her son, didn't know how in the world she was going to live, and Jesus had compassion on her. Jesus was betrayed by a friend, forsaken by his disciples, and tortured by the Romans, falsely accused, smitten, and eventually murdered for every one of us, abandoned even by God himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mothers, Jesus knows how it feels to be left alone. Here's the source of it all sorrow did not come from men but sorrow came from God not from without but from within for it was the hand of a holy God that bruised him it was the iron rod of heaven's justice that broke him Jesus was and is a man of sorrows for the Bible says he was bruised for our iniquity. He was chastised for our peace. He was smitten. The, the guilt of us all was placed upon Him. Surely He hath borne our sorrows. Ladies, I want to tell you that in the time of difficulty, there's no better place to turn than to turn to the Lord Jesus. Had it not been for Jesus... Had it not been for Jesus, had it not been for Jesus, you can look someone in the eye that's going through what this lady went through, and you can say, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Stand with me, please. Lord, there are mothers and families standing all over this room. And I know because I know them and I know what they've been through and what they go through. I know that many of them carry a heavy load, Lord. And I pray for them today that you would touch them and move upon them with grace and strength. I pray for this entire congregation today, O oh Lord, that if they're not part of that crowd that's following Jesus,
on their way to a city, then I pray that they'll make a move today, O God, and turn in the right direction. I pray for those, O Lord, that don't have eternal life. I pray that this would be the day, Lord, they would give their lives to you, give their hearts to you. The people that are watching online, God, I pray that many of them today who need salvation would experience salvation through Jesus. I pray that many of these standing here, O Lord, would this day say yes to the Lord Jesus and His saving grace. Praise Your name, Jesus. Praise Your name, Jesus. Praise Your name, Jesus. And on this Mother's Day, 2022, Lord, our world is a broken place. There's fierceness going on. Nations rising against nation. Wars and rumors of wars. There's all kind of pestilence and disease all over the world that threaten our existence. There are nuclear bombs held by hostile nations. And God, Your Word said in the last days perilous times will come. And Lord, surely we're in those we have no other refuge but to turn to You, Lord Jesus, and to say to You, the Good Shepherd, lead us on, O God. Keep Your hand about us and keep us safe from harm and danger. Give all of our ladies today, O God, a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day as their family gathers around the table and eats the meal today, O God. I pray that You'd touch every one of them. And I pray that they would all experience the joy and the presence of the Lord Jesus. That's our prayer in departing. In Jesus' righteous, holy name, amen and amen.